Hi, and welcome back to this podcast, Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, the first in the Wolves of Chilga series. Episode 8, The Race to the Wall. As the days passed and they continued to run up and down the rolling hills, the Purple Mountain grew even closer. Boy and Milena were fascinated by the many giant creatures that roamed the countryside, but the wolves were more concerned and weaved and dodged to avoid drawing their attention. Little was said as they halted for the night. Once again, the darkness was filled with strange noises and movements. Boys slept fitfully, for as the mountain grew close, he had a new worry. What was he supposed to do once he got there? The words of the prophecy kept playing through his head. Earlier that evening, Baiza had reminded Boy again of the prophecy when he stood looking at the mountain in the evening light. Seek a mountain of yellow and purple through creatures terrible to see. Harvest the goodness that grows there to save those at home who may die. Yet only one on two legs can help you and only one who carries our sign. That night he felt as if he had barely slept, tossing and turning. It was still dark when he felt hot breath near his face. It was Biter. Why are you so restless, boy? Are you ill? It, it's the prophecy. The bit you repeated last night. I, I don't understand it, Biter. He sat up. What am I supposed to do? What goodness? I, I know I'll let you down. Biter turned towards Boy and nudged his face against his. You have proved you have powers already. Powers I have never heard tell of, never seen before. They will be there for you, I'm sure. We are all sure. Melena had woken to him and was listening to them. He's right, Boy. She touched his arm reassuringly. We know you don't know what to do, but each time you've needed to help us, you have. She smiled at him. It will be okay, I'm sure. Yeah, but the feeling, the power is one thing. This, this goodness, what goodness? And am I supposed to find it or, or do something with it? That we will find out once we are there. The prophecy has held true so far, has it not? Then let us wait and not seek answers where none can be found. It was Walter. You have done well, my son, and now you must try and go back to sleep. The mountain beckons, and I would be there soon. Boy tried to sleep, but he knew he couldn't. He felt exhausted when they rose. Breakfast and the warmth of the sun revived him, though. They continued to see strange creatures. Fortunately, the only dangerous-looking beasts had been moving along in the distance, well away from the pack. At midday, they rested by the edge of a small wood. Boy was exhausted from the running and the lack of sleep, but equally glad for the exercise to try and clear his head. He idly watched Hunter at the furthest corner of the wood, keeping a lookout for predators. Hunter was just returning to the pack when Boy saw him freeze. What had he seen? Then he felt the ground tremble. It got worse, a noise, like a deep rumble in the distance somewhere. It was closing. It was on the other side of the wood. Other noises now, snorts and bellows, a herd of some type. The vibration through the ground was getting stronger. The pack moved backwards and forwards. Wolfson and Silverback rushed to join Hunter to see what and where the danger was. 
They quickly returned and ordered everyone back. As Boy moved with the pack away from the noise, he turned and saw them. They were about the same size as the herd of animals they'd seen on the first day, huge with thick, elephant-like legs and bodies. They had a single, massive plate covering the whole of their neck and top of their back. Three horns on their foreheads, two long and a third smaller one on the nose. Instead of a mouth, a vicious-looking beak. The animals were passing the edge of the wood, going away from them. The herd was large, twenty or thirty strong. Boy couldn't be sure, but the vibration, the noise, the dust, it was almost too much. As they passed, he gaped with wonder at their size and shape. They were amazing. Boy, Malena and the wolves stood still and waited. Yes, they'll be okay. He began to feel the tension drain away. The last one lumbered by, and Boy breathed a sigh of relief. But for no reason, the creature looked around. It stopped, saw them, and let out a great bellow to the other herd members. Gradually, and almost in slow motion, they turned, caught sight of the pack, and moved around to face them. The first animal was stamping its feet, shaking its head, the vicious giant horns flashing in the sunlight. It was bellowing and bellowing, the noise, one by one, they all began to stamp and bellow. Boy's heart was in his mouth. They were moving. He realized in horror they were forming a giant ring around the pack, still bellowing, stamping their feet, creating more and more dust. As the herd started to close in, the wolves formed a defensive half-ring facing them, snarling, ears back, eyes wide, lips curled. Calm, everybody. Be ready to turn and run if I say. Biter, growler, be ready to grab the cubs. Wolf's voice, controlled but urgent. Boy, can you stop them? Elena's eyes were wide with horror. They were coming closer. The fearsome horns pointed directly at them. Boy felt the familiar feeling. But this time, somehow it felt different. Yes, power, but no anger, no fear. Calm. Yes, he was calm. He knew he could stop them from attacking. He nodded, put out both arms, and began walking towards them, speaking to the herd animals gently, almost whispering. The one in the middle of the ring, larger than the other, shook his head at Boy. Bellowed, dropped his head, and charged. Before he could think, Boy thrust out his arm and gave the stop command. The animal immediately halted. Uncertain what to do, it bellowed its confusion. Boy kept on whispering now louder and louder to the other animals, telling them to be calm, as you would to a frightened puppy. The ones immediately in front of him raised their heads, puzzled. Their stamping ceased. Gradually, more and more ceased their bellowing and shuffling of feet. The front ones began to back away. With each step, he had to lift his head higher and higher to keep looking into the eyes of the huge beasts. As he neared them, became more and more aware of their strong, pungent smell. The middle section gave way to him as he walked slowly through. He started to look from side to side as the animals surrounded him. They were so big. He was conscious of them towering above him. The smell was so strong, the dust swirling around him. All Boy could see was a mass of grey bodies and white horns. Long and cruel, he focused on their leader. Gently, gently, I will not hurt you. Shh, calm. The animals in front of him stopped retreating. 
He looked into the small yellow eyes that gazed down at him. He reached out and placed his hand upon the rough but warm top of its beaked mouth. It reared up, bellowed, shocked by the touch. Be careful, boy. Do not rush it, whispered Wolfsar in his head. He reached up again, his heart pounding now. He had to carry on. The beast stared at him, then slowly, so slowly, lowered its head towards his hand. He felt its hot breath on his arm. Instead of encouraging it to go, he kept talking, stroking its beak and the leathery side of its head. The creature turned slightly so that the one eye came close to him. Yes, he said. You will protect us as we travel to the mountain, won't you? He turned to the herd that surrounded him, felt his control move over them all, like an invisible mist gently enveloping them all. Boy turned to look back at the wolves and Malena. No one was moving. He spoke to Wolfster in his mind. Follow us. They'll protect us to the mountain. Biter, can you, can you join me? I'm sure it'd be safe. He saw Wolfster confer with Biter. He smiled at the thought of what Biter was probably saying. And then Biter slowly and carefully moved towards him. He halted at the edge of the herd before dropping his head and continuing to Boy's side. Some of the animals bellowed as he passed them. Others moved about nervously. Thank you, Biter, Boy whispered as he reached him. Thank you for your trust. I hope you know what you're doing, Boy. I cannot say I'm entirely comfortable being in the middle of a herd of animals that could crush us at any second. Boy half smiled and quickly climbed up. He faced the wall of animals, and then Biter slowly moved forward. The animals bellowed nervously as Boy and the wolf walked between them. The other wolves of Milena initially walked behind and then came through the herd until the pack had fully reassembled at the front of the herd. The beast's huge size meant despite their ponderous movements, they could keep up with the loping wolf pace. The wolves spoke little in awe of their protectors and increasingly seeing Boy for what he was and what he could be. The cone-shaped mountain and the purple and yellow haze were more clearly defined now. They could also see a ring around the bottom of it. Grey, like a wall. The unlikely procession made good time. Wolfsa and the pack relaxing as they began to trust their protectors. A small pack of raptors that would have been trouble kept clear of the herd of giants with their vicious-looking horns. Later, as they passed a lake, the leader entered a bellowing contest with a huge raptor. Faced with so many, the beast quickly retreated. At sunset, Wolsa called a halt. Boy was relieved and exhausted. Keeping the herd in his mind the whole time, controlling them required immense concentration. That he could retain the power was so different from before. But now he just wanted to stop and let go. He was so tired. Boy slipped off Biter and walked slowly back to the leader. It bent its head. Boy reached up and stroked its beak. Thank you. I shall never forget this day. Go now on your journey. The giant lifted its head and bellowed gently, calling to the others. Boy quickly got out of the way as they watched the herd thunder away into the gathering dark. The next day, the wolves continued their journey. They were in the foothills now, moving towards the wall, 
And yes, they all agreed it was a war. Walsa hoped they would be there by the end of the day. Perhaps they could then take a proper rest. Boy was exhausted after yesterday. His head ached still, his eyes stung. Yes, a day of rest would be so good if Walsa could spare the time. Boy felt too tired to be constantly on the watch for more monsters. He was relieved they had only seen animals from afar and heard cries so faint could not mean danger for them. The hours were long and the mountains seemed to remain tantalizing close, but no closer. Boy, Melena shouted in alarm. He jolted awake. You were asleep. Are you okay, boy? She rode up alongside him. Yeah, just tired. I'll, I'll be fine. He clung on to Baita, lulled by the rhythm of the even pace. Suddenly, he felt a sharp pain. He'd been hit on the side and his head. No, he was rolling. He was on the ground. His head ached. His side hurt. He opened his eyes. But it was such an effort. He tried to move. Boy, Baita bent over him. Are you injured? Have you broken anything? Where are you hurt? Melena said. No, I'm okay, I think. I must have just slipped off. He blinked and closed his eyes again. You fell off because you were asleep, she said, checking the back of his head. You haven't cut your head. No blood. Can you move your arms and legs? He nodded, drifting away. Can you hear me? Melena shook him gently. Boy, Walsh's voice. You must focus. Open your eyes, boy. He obeyed and found those yellow and black eyes looking deep into his. Walsh nodded. I think you are just tired and need to rest. Yesterday was too much for you. He came to a decision and addressed the pack. We are lucky to be by this small wood. We stay here for the day. Graypaws, you and three others scout and guard for danger. Hunter and Silverback, search for food. A nod and they are gone. Boy closed his eyes. He would stay here for a moment. The grass was so comfortable and cool beneath him. Boy, boy, it's time to wake up. How do you feel? It was Melena. He felt strange, thick-headed. It was difficult to focus. The pack was restlessly moving about behind her. He couldn't see that well because it was dawn. Dawn? He looked up into her concerned face. How long have I been asleep? Since yesterday afternoon, came the reply from behind him. He looked, and there was Biter looking down at him. Boy was open mouth. But that's not possible. We were all getting worried. We could not wake you, Walsa said. You have been given an extraordinary gift. It is something only you can learn to use and control. Boy nodded, still amazed at how long he'd been asleep. If you are well enough, we will leave soon. The other pack members were restlessly pacing and sniffing the air. Melena noticed their mood. Is, is there something wrong, Biter? She asked. He looked at Walsa, who nodded. There is something out there, a new danger, perhaps. We can't see or smell anything, but it's out there. We all feel it. He recovered his cheerfulness and looked at Boy. Come, Melena has food for you. The wise she thinks you need food when you've done so little this last day escapes me. Eat and drink quickly or we might have to leave you behind. Boy grinned, realizing how seriously hungry he was. He thanked Melena and took the food. In no time, he'd eaten and was a stride biter. See if you can stay on me this time, boy. We've not travelled this far to lose you now. Yes, Biter, I'll try, he laughed. The day seemed to fly. The mountain was suddenly close. 
It reached up high, but its lower slopes were a gentle gradient. Snow at the top, then rock, and below the rock, trees, and then grass, and lastly grass, and banks of purple and yellow flowers. The richest of purple. Meanwhile, with the soldiers, the captain looked back in horror. By the emperor's beard, what is it? What kind of world is this? We cannot fight such a monster. It is huge. Yes, I know it is catching a sergeant. Fool! The captain looked behind him again. He was getting too close. You there, release the spare horse. Let us hope it'll follow it and be food enough for it. Now ride the rest of you. Ride for your lives. The wolves ran and ran, seemingly determined to make up for the lost time. The wolf could now be seen clearly. It was immense. Boy saw Wusa swerve to the right. The line of wolves followed. He couldn't see why, and then he spotted a thin black vertical line breaking up the grey wall. A gap or entrance, perhaps? Gradually, the wall grew larger and more imposing. The black line was an entrance. They hurried towards it, slowly and then more quickly. He could make out the detail. The wall, made up of massive stone blocks, was as high as any of the monsters they had seen. An impenetrable barrier. But it was the following day before they finally stood before the entrance. But what was the entrance? It was blocked by rubble that stretched up, nearly as high as the wall either side. Steep piles of rubble that no wolf could ever climb. They all stood still, not talking, concentrating. There had to be a way. Set against each wall was a massive column. The two columns reached up to just above the wall, their tops jagged. The rest had toppled into the entrance. A statue, broken by the fall, must have been huge. Only the shield it was carrying was intact. On its side, a quarter of the way up, it had a crown with six stones carved into it. Boy stopped still. Beside it, giant pieces of rubble leaning against each other. Between them, darkness, tall and triangular shaped. Oh! way through, it looked as though it might be just wide enough for the wolves to squeeze through. But nothing bigger. The rubble up to it was less steep. A struggle, but perhaps it could be reached by the pack. He turned excitedly to tell Wolser, but then realized he and the pack had already seen it and were moving towards it. Hunter led the way, with much slipping and cursing, hauled himself up to the gap. He stood quite still, looking through, ears twitching for every sound. Everyone watched. Boy could hear his own breathing in the silence. The large wolf turned and looked down. I do not sense danger. There is only daylight at the other end. It's wide enough, although some of us may struggle. Wolfson nodded to Small Ears, the slimmest of the pack. She scrambled up past Hunter, sniffed the gap for a second, and was gone, silence. Small Ears, are you there? Hunter called out. Answer me. A distant reply. I am on the other side. It is safe to come through. The pack formed a queue to follow Wolser up. He and Hunter struggled with the narrow parts, but Malena and Boy were able to get through easily. The gap was a couple of meters deep, with a very uneven floor, so they had to be very careful where they walked. They stepped out into the open air and were met by the sweetest of scents. It made them both smile and take in deep breaths to enjoy the rich perfume. They took in the vision before them. 
a long tree-lined avenue. The path made up of some kind of light-coloured broad slabs of stone, now covered with grass and weeds that almost formed a complete carpet. The avenue led up to another small wall and ruined archway. Beyond it, the beginning of the slope up the mountain. The trees were of normal height, which is why Boy realised they could not be seen from the outside. There was a silence, an eerie silence about the place. Either side of the trees were lots of hillocks stretching out along the wall as far as the eye could see. He walked slowly alongside the trees that lined the avenue. The hillocks. They were grassy, but covering something. He realised with a shock the hillocks were covering old buildings. Hundreds and hundreds of buildings. It was a ruined city. He ran up to Melena. Together they walked up the avenue, looking curiously to either side of them. They stepped through the archway and were joined by the walls. They all stood, speechless and utterly still, as the fields of yellow and purple. Vita came up beside him and recited the prophecy. Seek a mountain of yellow and purple, through creatures terrible to see. We've made it, boy. we finally made it. Walsa continued the next lines. Harvest the goodness that grows there, to save those at home who may die. Yet only one on two legs can help you, and only one who carries our sign. We must hurry, boy. I do not think we have that long. Boy felt his stomach lurch. Do what, Bulsa? I, I don't know what to do. He looked at the banks of flowers, the purple, layers of large petals, a bit like a rose, the yellow with three small flowers, swayed in the gentle breeze. There was a silence, then Melena spoke up. Perhaps, boy, we need to pick or crush the plants, like the healers do. Boy turned around to face her. He could feel himself begin to panic. How and, and, and with what? He whirled round to Walter. I'm sorry, I, I, but I've never done anything with plants, ever. Mum and Dad looked after the garden at home. Walter came up to them both. Then we must try. You are the prophecy. There will be a way. Milena. Let us start with your idea. She half smiled and looked around. They were on the flat semicircle of ground cut into the slope. Whilst the pack lay down on the surrounding slope, she reached into the basket and fetched out the leaf bowl she used for eating and with it a knife. She cut some of the flowers at the base of their stems and explained to Boy, I'm going to see if I can crush them to release the juice. She looked up at Boy, serious but calm. He took heart from her and began to feel hopeful. Yeah, perhaps that's it. Yeah, the juice. He had no idea. He couldn't think, but trusted Melena. She would find the answer for them. She took a flat stone and crushed the flowers against the sides of the bowl. They became crushed, but that was all. Perhaps I should boil them, she announced. She collected wood, then boy and bite a sort of stream. By the time they came back, Melena had a fire going. She put more of the flowers into water. Whilst they waited, Boy tried to distract himself by asking questions. Biter, who built these walls and these buildings? Do you think it was the same people who built the tunnels and the steps? I do not know, Boy. He looked around. It is a strange place. I think there are many stories here to tell. The tension around the camp was growing. The wolves were prowling around. 
Boy stood and sat but couldn't remain still. Melina squinted up at him. Boy, I shall scream if you don't sit down and keep still. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? The, the colour hasn't changed. She looked up, frowning, the worry clear on her face. It might be a flavour, boy. We'll just have to wait. Please, boy. He immediately sat, willing himself to be calm. I'm sorry, Melina. You, you're right. Do you, do you think it's ready yet? She sighed and hunched her shoulders. Let's wait a bit longer, shall we? Biter lay beside him. Perhaps Melena is right, boy. We've travelled this long, a little while longer won't hurt. He nodded his agreement, but secretly wanted them to agree to taste it then. They sat saying nothing, just watching the bowl and flames. It was late afternoon. Melena looked up at boy and Biter, half smiled, and taking a spoon, blew on the scalding water and then sipped it. He became aware that the pack had gathered around him. They were all watching her. She sat still, concentrating on the taste of the liquid in her mouth. Boy looked at her expectantly, heart in his mouth. He willed it to be the answer. Just when he thought he would burst with tension, she frowned, sipped it again, and finally turned to Boy and Wolsa. I can't taste anything. It tastes of just water. The water hasn't changed colour either. I don't think anything has happened. Boiling it doesn't work, boy. I'm sorry, but I don't think I can do anything. She grimaced and leaned towards Boy, her face full of sympathy and concern. I'm not really part of the prophecy. I think it must be you somehow, boy. After all, all the other parts have come true, haven't they? Boy felt frustration and panic. Yeah, but this is different. I don't know anything about plants and stuff, do I? But you didn't know how to walk through a wall, or make a huge bird burst into flames, or make a herd of giant animals follow and protect you. You knew none of it. So why don't you sit here and take these plants and just try? She held the plants out to him. Boy took the proffered yellow and purple plants. He took a deep breath. He held them in his palms and looked at them. He stared at the plants. He concentrated, willing it to do something, to make something happen inside him or to the plants. Nothing. The wolves waited patiently as the sun set and the darkness spread around them. Boy felt more and more helpless. He stared and stared. He had closed his eyes and willed it. He'd stroked the bunch, crushed it, pleaded with it, ordered it. Nothing. No goodness. I don't even know what goodness is, he exclaimed in exasperation to Malena. She looked across at Boy. He was hunched up, knees firmly against his chest, holding himself tightly, hands digging into his bare upper arms. I don't know the answer, Boy. She looked up. The moon had risen. Perhaps, she sighed, perhaps we should just try again tomorrow. He looked up at the moon in his frustration. He sighed and then angrily grabbed the last bunch of flowers that Melena had cut for him in both hands and held them up in front of him. Why don't you release your whatever it is? He threw the flowers down and dropped his hands into his lap. He stopped. His right hand. No, both now were tingling. He felt it move up his arms and through his body. He looked at his right hand. Felt on. It was glistening in the moonlight. 
He gasped and looked at Milena with astonishment. He held it out for her. It's wet. He looked around for Baita. Baita, it's wet. He rushed to the fire, and yes, he could see clearly it was wet. Milena picked up the flowers and felt the base of the stems. He's right. Look, the goodness, it's coming out of the stems. He's done it. Boy, you've done it. I knew you would. She grinned and ran up to him and hugged him. Uh, quickly, he said, I need a bottle and lo lots and lots of flowers. And, yes, and you're right, the bowl. I need the bowl to start with. He couldn't believe it. It had happened. He was going to do it. He looked around at the wolves, grinning broadly. The wolves were all giving their congratulations, pacing around the edge as excited as the children, but fearful of getting in the way. Milena cut some flowers at the base of their stems as before, whilst Boy set up the bowl in front of him. He sat down, taking the fresh bunch from Milena, and suddenly felt a pang of doubt. After all, he'd no idea what he'd done earlier, only that he'd done it. Heart in mouth, he held the stems over the bowl and squeezed. Nothing. The tingling was there, but not as strong. He felt the panic rising again. He squeezed harder. Nothing. Milena bent down. The flower boy. Squeeze the flower heads. Boy nodded and took the heads in his hands and crushed them. Nothing. But the power, the tingling, it was stronger again. Then his heart stopped. A drop. Another. Another, a gentle flow. It was working. He looked up, felt the relief flow through him. Excited, he took another and then another bunch. It was working. The power and the tingling were there. The juice flowed freely. He couldn't see the color and he didn't care. It was working. The wolves bayed and bayed. He and Milena laughed at the wolves' song of joy. They laughed as they worked. The relief, he'd done it. No. They had done it. This was Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, written, narrated, and recorded by Simon Taylor. For more information about Simon Taylor, his books, radio broadcasts, and school storytelling, go to www.simontaylorstoryteller.com.